0: So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor.fm/start. That's Anchor.fm/start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor.fm/start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Let, let,
1: let's get. This is the Chase in the Frame podcast Where we interview people in the TV and film industry Talking about their journey, how they got to where they are today We do this podcast for the frame chasers This is for those in the film industry Going hard, let them know who we are Frame chasers, we're we're not chasing the fame, no, no Tell them what we do, we're chasing the frame This is the Chase in the Frame podcast with your host John DeMarco.
0: Let's go. What up, frame chasers? It's Wednesday, and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame. Today is episode 85, and we have Brenda Daly today. Brenda is a actor, actress, writer, producer, director, editor. Am I missing anything else? Uh no,
2: that's all that's
0: all I am right now. Alright, <laughs> hey, just, just making sure. I know sometimes <laughs> I, I see what's on IMDb at double checked, and I'm like, all right. Because it only says actor, producer, and writer, I believe. And then I was like, wait, it says editor and director also. So I had to write those down as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much ADHD when it comes to the uh, <laughs> the, the creative process.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, how are you doing today, Brenda, if I may ask?
2: I'm doing good. I'm on my third day of my crowdfund for my Mom squad uh, micro-series. Awesome, awesome. And... Uh, so I've been on the computer all day, uh, talking to people and emailing.
0: So busy day, busy day. It's been a day. <laughs> uh, before we get into the episode, let us do some housekeeping real quick first, and we'll take that. And we'll go from there. First off, we have to thank our affiliate partners, Artlist.io. And honestly, the best music licensing platform for any type of content creator. Thousands of new songs every day and unlimited downloads, which is always a plus, especially when you're trying to find music for any project. That's always the hardest part. Artlist.io makes it easy and simple. Guys, if you join our affiliate link today in our YouTube video description below, that's uh, you get year- one year and two extra months for free. So check out Artlist.io, an inspiring music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers. Second, guys, we have merch for you at teespring.com slash slash chasing dash the dash frame. Not only are we selling uh, shirts, but we're selling hashtag frame chaser masks as well for $10. Honestly, it's a comfy cloth mask and super stylish, and you let people know that you're a frame chaser on set. Third, guys, check out Production Apparel. That's another affiliate we have, too. They have awesome uh, production shirts for camera, writers, uh, I think... Uh, audio as well and they also have wrap gifts too. Rap gifts. also if you're interested in that so check that out below as well and then fourth we have to ask for that donation to Church of the Frame guys uh, for, three ways to donate paypal.me slash ctfpodcast that's a one time donation, donation second is Patreon $5 membership a month which allows you early access to audio and visual content a week before it airs and third in our description below is links to all the cryptocurrencies that we accept and then go straight to our trust wallet which we're trying to uh, use cryptocurrency as a way to fund other projects that we're trying to do in the future. So guys, uh, please do one of those three things if you could. And then also, please like our Facebook page as well as subscribe to our YouTube page. So, who's Ray Chase Frames? Brenda, first question I ask everyone on the show is, uh-huh. where are you from originally?
2: I am originally from uh, Sunset Beach, California.
0: Oh, okay. I, where is that located? I'm I'm not from here originally. So I right next
2: to anything. Honey- it's right, Huntington beach. it's right on the coast, um, uh, so I went to Huntington Beach High School, but okay. uh, Sunset Beach is like its own little tiny community mm-hmm. right on the beach, and I grew up on the harbor, so I had a really tough life as a kid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sunny days and, and some fun in the sun and, and rays and the ocean and all that fun stuff. Surfing, I'm guessing, too?
2: You know what? I never surf, but really? I, we did a lot of bodyboarding. And okay.
0: Practice. All right. Yeah. B- boogie boards, at least.
2: Yeah. 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 Okay. i yeah, <laughs> my teeth knocked out went by a surfboard when oh, I was a kid, so I never surf. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. Nice. So, so yeah. So, Serpy was not on my, on my,
0: on my list. How's that? Oh, okay. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why. Uh, and second question I ask everyone on the show is what was that movie, TV show, actor, director, whoever it was, that creative person that spoke to you and you said to yourself, I want to do this?
2: So... For me, honestly, um, my both my parents were doing a lot of theater when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty much dragged to the theater as far as, like, if you were talking about per- performers, I always loved, like, Barbra Streisand and Betty Miller. Yes, yeah. I'm showing my age. Um, they were super big uh, for me. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, but that was big at the time. And so those are the things my mother had aspired to be. Yeah. So... We we went and saw a lot of those movies.
0: What was your favorite uh, Bette Midler or Barbara Streisand movie?
2: Um. Oh my God. Yeah, um, <laughs> now, now the I'm going way back. Uh, Funny Girl was a great movie. I've probably seen it 20 times as a kid.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, with Barbara Streisand, and uh, for Bette Midler, um, it was The Rose.
0: The The, the Rose. Is
2: that the name of the movie? Yeah. Never- the Rose, I think.
0: Oh, the Rose. The Rose. The the Rose. Okay. Interesting. I never, well, I never saw The Rose, but I, ne- I mean, the only Barbara Streisand movies I know are like A Star Is Born and uh, uh huh, Meet the Fockers and all that stuff. I can't. I I know other. Oh, what else is there? Uh, that one where she plays. Uh, she like does the Jewish thing or something like that. She turns right. What is that?
2: She did she she did a movie with Robert Redford. Yeah, I, uh, and it was like a romantic comedy and then Funny girl is, is that's pretty much the same like that, when her early career she was a big Broadway star. Yeah. So her early career she did all these Broadway type movies. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I grew up on. Gotcha.
0: What was so, your, yeah. what was your favorite yeah. Broadway play or theater play?
2: What is it now? Or
0: now or <laughs> or overall.
3: I Whatever know, I one. I have
2: so many. Uh, So, Les Miz is probably my all-time favorite as far as music is concerned because um, I've trained privately, vocally uh, for seven years. Nice. So, I did a lot of musical theater Mm -hmm. uh, personally. And then, also, um, Little Stuff of Horrors has always been a super big favorite of mine. And it's that role that I never got because either something was going on in my life, like getting married or getting pregnant so i never got to play that role but i uh, but i always auditioned with that piece and that that was the one piece that really um always brought me to the last callback.
3: back so, yeah oh so
0: yeah.
2: yeah so my favorite, cause i like that quirky comedy kind of you know horror genre thing yeah. you know that's that's my personality.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, okay, going back to growing up and your parents are in theater. So you're mm-hmm. seeing them, They're dra- dra- as you said, they're dragging you, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm using the correct words. Uh, <laughs> they used
2: to drag my brother and sister. I did theater. My mother came in from Iowa when she was young. Yeah. Um, she was just turned 18. She got in the bus. She went to LA. Typical story. She wanted to be a movie star. Yeah. And then uh, he ended up meeting my dad, getting pregnant, getting married. Yeah. But so my mother used to take classes at the Verde Theater, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Shirley MacLaine was actually taking uh, classes there too. Yeah. So when she was married, my mother dragged my father into all these plays that she was in because my mother would always get to be a star because yeah. she was so good. And then, uh, and then my dad ended up getting doing. Um, my dad was very Jewish, so he looked like the. Um, the villain in every melodrama you can think of, my father probably played them. Oh, wow. Because he was just that dark, booming, you know, boy. Yeah. So he always played the evil character, you know, tie the girl to the. Uh, <laughs> train track kind of guy so he was always that bigger than life character so uh so he, my mother actually got my father started and then as kids we basically spent most of our childhood at one theater or another yeah
0: so then as a kid you're, yeah. you're, you're in that theater group and you're and you're learning and you're watching and you're you know you're picking up things as a child so then when was the first Correct. play or th- theater thing that you did
2: so the first play I did, um, it was called The Bad Seed. I was nine years old, and I actually played the lead role. I played The Bad Seed. They just needed a kid, and I just happened to be there. Yeah. So, yeah. What and was, it was like at, um, it was uh um, I think it was Talisbury's Playhouse.
0: What was so, that, what was that yeah, like for you? Yeah, I
2: played a very evil person. Oh, huh? okay.
0: I was going to say, what was that like for you playing, uh, doing your first role? I mean, was it, did, it come nat- did it feel like it came natural to you because you're, you know, your parents? Or was it? was it nerve-wracking um, for you?
2: Kind of came naturally because I've always loved to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been kind of something that I enjoyed doing. I think maybe because I was the youngest of three, and I was like, "This is what I do." My parents are here. This is what I do. So, and it was a kind of a fun little role because I was always such a good kid. Yeah. And this little kid in this play uh, kills everybody. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so, so it's actually if you ever have a play to read, read the bad seeds because it's a very psychological kind of thing. So yeah. So the character is actually the, the is actually the murderer, and she murders like another kid. And so yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty heavy duty little script, but yeah. for me it was great. I get to be on stage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that 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 bug of, of acting and being on stage for the first time, doing all that stuff. What happens next for you? Where's that Where's that lead you to?
2: Um, I think uh, just uh, middle school. My parents divorced, and I was uh Pretty young, and so my dad moved to Huntington Beach, mm. and then um, my mother, my parents, they were really good about you know sharing the kids. So yeah. when we each turned twelve, we ended up living with my father, and so I was the youngest. So when I went to live with my dad, I went to middle school, and so if I thought making friends would be great. I just did the talent show, yeah. So I did the talent show, and I got so abused by these kids <laughs> oh. <laughs> because that's what I did. So so yeah, I got pretty abused by it, uh, but. But, you know, I, I think I had my very first fist fight when I was um, in the eighth grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but, it, but, you know, it's just life. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, and then uh, I went to Honey I mean, to Beach High School, and um, I was in the choir in the theater department. Mm. And so um, when I was taking choir, my mother was um, – she had a friend that was very big in L.A. And his, his friends were like Howard Cosell and oh, wow. Scott Band and all these people. And so my mother said, hey, you need to uh, pay for Brenda to get some voice lessons because I used to sing all the time. Mm -hmm. And so um, I used to uh, go down to uh, L.A. quite a bit, all the way up until I was probably 17. I would take um, voice lessons with this guy who wrote this musical Mm -hmm. that you could probably still find because the guy's uh, long dead. But it used to be called uh, When You're in Love, The Whole World is Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he was like this master at the piano and he could hardly sing himself, but he wrote like uh, operas and all these crazy things. So I had that opportunity because my dad paid for it yeah. and my mom made sure I got there. So, yeah. so I got really lucky in that department. Yeah. And then, so musical theater was my big thing. And so I, that's basically what I did in school. And then when I got out of school, I did uh, lots of musical theater and I took lessons from a lady who was a, she was an award-winning opera singer from the Metropolitan Opera circuit, and I got really lucky finding her in Huntington Beach one day. Oh wow! So, I so I just continued on even when I had my kids. I would just you know it's kind of therapy. For yeah. Me. So question
0: question <laughs> so. then uh for you also did you kind of like taking the opera classes did it make you try did you do any opera or did you want to do any opera from that
2: no. Not really. I mean, at the time, they were doing things like Pirates of Penzance, which is kind of operatic, but it was mostly musical theater for me. Okay. you know, I I felt like it gave me a big range. Like, I did a lot of country, and I Mm -hmm. did some jazz. Yeah. So, I I did, I was, you know, kind of all over the place, but I did, but musical theater's always been, like, my thing. Yeah, yeah. So... And my daughter now, uh, she's, you know, my youngest is the same. Mm-hmm. She started at nine, and then the whole the whole situation, She, I got her voice lessons, and we were, and then uh, she did, we just actually put out a video for her after reel, her name's Brenna Daly.
0: Oh, yes, and I worked with her, actually.
2: Oh, you worked with her? Yeah, I worked
0: with her on uh, To, Wh- to Whom It May Concern, actually.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she has a video out that that uh, I well, I produced and then uh, I helped direct with uh, mm-hmm. Mike Conway. Yeah, and we just put out a. Uh, it's kind of like a little music video, but yeah, she needed it for her acting reel, and then we it, we felt like it was so good, we just posted it. Everything.
0: Yeah, I, I actually just saw it. I was, it was really good. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
2: You're Thank welcome. You. Yeah, You're welcome. it was a big team effort. Yeah, yeah, we worked really hard on that, and and she came up with the concept, and I was like, we can get this done. Yeah, <laughs> I, but you know it. It 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 So first we had to record the song, and yeah. then we had to figure out where we were going to do it. And thank God, my mother lives in this condo complex, and they had that big room that we've used like six or seven times already. Yeah. And because we have full access to this big, huge space, so we we just dressed it up, and mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it turned out really nice.
0: <laughs> it, it did. It, I did uh, like it how it was how it looked. So it well, it did turn out really nice. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, and uh, also it's is that going to be any idea for a bigger piece, or you want to keep it small for the acting role? Because it, how it came out.
2: Um. So, I I would like to do more of those. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, my daughter wants me to do my own reel because I guess so. This was going on in Hollywood. My daughter was in the movie The Prom with mm-hmm. Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman, but she wasn't up for any of the singing roles. Yeah. And she basically got one small, one small one-liner. But her manager agents feel like because she's so musical theater oriented, yeah. they're going to um they wanted her to do a musical theater reel and then of course she didn't want to do it unless it looked super good. Yeah. So and so, you know, I know a lot of people here in town because I've been literally networking since she was nine years old yeah. out here. So basically I just you know, I called in some friends and everybody's sitting around not doing a whole lot right now and Very they true. Were just happy to be doing something. Yeah. You know So I thought it turned out I thought it turned out Pretty much like If we wanted to write a musical Mm -hmm. That would be That would be the quality It would be And I I would be very proud of that
0: Yeah I'm I'm very I like certain musicals But that one I would I would totally check out And watch more of
2: Uh, Yeah She did Evil Dead the musical On the strip When she was here uh, Before uh, I think when she was like 20 or something. Oh, okay. so, yeah. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Love evil dead. Um, but also how did you get to Vegas? How did, how did you end up winding in, How did you wind up ending in Vegas?
2: Well, in 1994, my husband and I had three kids. My youngest was five months old. They were five months, three and four. Mm-hmm. And basically um, the economy in California kind of took a dip and my husband had his own roofing company there. Mm-hmm. So all the work dried up. So his parents had retired out to Vegas, and so they really wanted us out here because he's an only child and we have their only grandkids. So they kind of, like, encouraged us to come out. They're like, hey, so we've been here since
3: 1994.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, so that's basically why we came out here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, I've been bartending for the better part of my uh, life out here. Yeah. But due to COVID-19, I lost my job. Oh, (laughs) So so I've been so this is why I've been like so focused on the mom squad yeah, yeah. and then, uh, doing doing a lot of films. I didn't realize I could get so much work as an actor. I just figured I actually when my youngest went away to L.A. to mm. go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, I had nothing to do. My other kids were grown, yeah. and then I went to um, so I started taking classes with Ryan Williams. Okay, and because I needed something to do. Because yeah. I, and of course, I was a stage actress, not a film actress. And um, and he was super tough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's a very tough, kind of a hard ass kind of guy. But he's not wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, If you can handle somebody telling you the truth, he's the best. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you might walk out of this class wanting to cry, but <laughs> you, you almost have to know he's right. And then I kind of hung in there for like three months and then I started getting it. Like I started Mm -hmm. getting it. It took me three months to figure out his method, but then I started getting it and getting it. And then when he left town, um, the class kind of stayed together. We just kind of started doing classes until COVID. So I haven't been to class since, but it was like almost two years for me where I was just like doing something every week Mm -hmm. and I was doing a couple of little mini shorts for people, but I was just kind of, Keeping myself in the mix And then also networking For my Mama Bird Production company mm. You know Always going to the party So yeah. So I've always kept myself In the mix For quite some time So Gotcha ah, I've I, actually been out here For quite
0: Go ahead I was, was going to say I was going to say yeah Because when I looked At your IMDB And you telling me About your background And your, your musical theater And all that stuff I was like you know, I was shocked because I saw like you know you started in like 2015 with stuff, and I was like, oh my gosh, she has done so much more than my I know. And it's, again, I always find this fascinating when I have guests on and stuff like that, knowing their background and all that stuff. It's great, and and it's just wow, it's just eye opening. You know, what I mean, I I didn't I didn't know that about you.
2: No, well, thank you. Well, so the thing is, is I with my first short film that I did was called Unintended, and um brana was like 16 or 17 at the time and she just finished doing Bubblegum and broken fingers with Mm -hmm. john jackson and so we were over there and he was giving her this he gave her this picture of her on the poster yeah and so uh i we were over there and then he was like yeah because i really want to film something and and at the time nobody was doing real so you had to either be in a real film or whatever was going on so I said, well, I had this idea for the short film and mm-hmm. I told him about it. And he said, well, go home and write it down. So <laughs> I some, another friend of mine gave me a free screenwriting program and I wrote my version of the short film mm-hmm. and then I brought it back to him like two weeks later and then he took it and he rewrote it because he's, Uh, That was my first writing. He fixed up a lot of it. So, and then uh, we went. He went ahead and had his friend Kathleen, um, who was his makeup artist. He wanted her to direct, so she directed. I produced. Mm -hmm. My daughter starred. Uh, We did do it Sag, ultra low budget.
0: Uh, Question for you. Um,
2: And uh, we ended up just. It was just made for film
0: festival. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a question for you also. What was it like writing for the? Like, was that your first time? First time writing a film, but you never wrote before that.
2: We used to. I used to teach voice to little kids when mm-hmm. my daughter was going to LVA, yeah. and um, we 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 used to have. I have a, a, a definite set of songs that I pick out for kids. Yeah. And so what we did, what we would do, is twice a year we would do a spring show and a Christmas show. And uh, Brennan and I would actually put together the um, shows. We would write a story around whatever songs they pick. Ah, okay, gotcha. So I have, I have done a little bit of writing, but no, that wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it, that would be my first camp I always feel like i'm still learning everything yeah i don't ever feel like i'm like you know people remember like i'm the best this and i'm the best that yeah i don't know if i'll ever be at their level i'm just doing my best because you know you're always learning something and then there's always new equipment to learn and there's always new mm-hmm. camera angles that you might want to try or- yeah You know, like when we did Bruna's video, we were trying to, we were really focusing on the juxtaposition. Mm. Like that is something that took me a while to figure out what that was. (laughs) And then I don't know why. I think it's just kind of like a, I don't know what my brain didn't settle into it. But then it was like, so that we were heavily focused on, we're going to make this a total juxtaposition because filmmakers will look at this and they will like be cheering for it. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, Yeah. I get you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah it's like a girl in a red dress and stockings in a church that's, that's a juxtaposition right
0: there <laughs> that's always a fun one that's always a interesting like just ju- oh juxtapositions i you know what i think i thank you because i actually kind of knew what what it was but i don't think i knew the definition i just knew like what the uh you know i could do it but i didn't know what it technically was if you know what i mean
2: Right, like it's a, it's like this. So for people who don't know what a, an actual juxtaposition in yeah. film is, this you have a bird sitting on a sign that says "no birds." That's a juxtaposition. Isn't that also irony? Like also, the, it is irony. Yeah. It's very, and that's what I'm. That's what's really cool about. It. Yeah, you know, and and filmmakers love that. And when you start watching movies. For anybody who's out there, yeah. if you start with you'll actually look for those juxtaposition because those usually lead you into the next thing.
0: Very true. Uh, other question for you, too. You, I saw you wrote for a, a writer on Project 3000. What was that? That's a documentary, I believe?
2: It was a drama, and I wrote it, and yeah. um, it was based on um, – I love that project, by the way. Um, so my husband and I were driving mm-hmm. on the freeway, and you, know, you see a lot of people, homeless people with signs out here in yeah. Vegas. But what struck me about this particular person, it was a kid. Mm-hmm. He was Caucasian. He was kind of dirty, but he had this sign. And his sign says, I just want to finish high school. And oh, wow. my husband, I, and we were like, I was just so upset about that for like a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was working at my bar, I ran into this, met this woman and her husband who had just finished film school. And we were talking about it. She yeah. said, we should just make this film. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I can't stop thinking about it. I had written like half a song for it. Mm-hmm. I had like, I had a whole outline. Like I couldn't let it go. So uh, what we ended up doing was I wrote, I had three actors. One was my daughter. One was Edgar um, Alejandro, who's yeah. now a filmmaker. Friend
0: and then, of the show um, also.
2: We, and Joey Huebner. Yeah. And they, and what I did was I took those kids and I made them, uh, I, so I, I put up little scenarios with them, and then we also, I also interviewed a girl that was um, homeless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I talked to her like three times, because so she would always hang out in the same spot. And then I used to bring her clothes and money and whatever I felt like she needed, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, And then she ended up really going back to school, which is good. and oh, um, And then, I, and then uh, me and my partner, we would go to find out, like, what what are the resources for kids who have run away? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how does that work? Like, and, and what you find out is at the time, at the time, there were 3,000 recorded kids, teenagers in the Las Vegas Valley that were homeless. Now there's so many more, but yeah. you, but those are the ones that they knew about. This wasn't the ones that were like couch surfing on their friend's couch that were kept under the radar. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it just became such a thing that, it, you know, you don't realize the tragedy. Tragedy around you until you actually experience it. But what we did get to do was we got to uh, help with a project called Project 150, mm. and they're a fantastic project. Um, I donated all my daughters' um, prom dresses and dresses they had up through the years because what they do is they just, they're not a 501c3, they're like an adjacent to one, and they make sure, like, if a counselor sees a kid and they, they suspect that they're homeless, they're having problems. What they do is they it's a no questions asked thing. Like they will call Project One Hundred and Fifty and say this kid needs underwear socks blah 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 and then these sizes and then they might need food for a couple of days yeah and maybe like twenty bucks or whatever and then they will literally drop it off with no questions asked. I,
0: I think I heard of that Project One Hundred and Fifty before actually. I think a while back when I used to work at a production Studio we we did an event with them. I think like t- mm-hmm. twenty thirteen maybe twenty fourteen. Um, uh-huh. and it was basically like the kids, I think they're maybe sponsoring, but the kids who are homeless, they like, you know, gave them a haircut, uh, basically new clothes and a photo shoot.
2: Oh, that was really cool. Yeah. What they do now yeah. is because I, I think they've evolved since So now what they do is because they don't want to ask any questions. Yeah. So any kid in the Valley, it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. They don't ask any questions. They open up this big warehouse with mm-hmm. all these dresses. And all these clothes for the guys, shoes, whatever. They have yeah. seamstresses there that uh, volunteer their time. And they basically um, fit the dresses to the girls. And anybody can walk in there and go in there fully in and out there for their prom. Because they feel like every kid deserves to have that experience no matter where they're at. Yeah, definitely. So they, yeah, and then the ones that ask, all they have to do is ask and they will actually pay for their prom ticket.
0: Oh, wow. That's that's super yeah. awesome. It's, it is really
2: awesome so but when you do when, as a filmmaker I feel yeah. like you get to experience these things and i felt like with project 3000 that um i just learned so much about myself yeah because i was you know i was directing uh, April helped co-direct it but yeah. um i was literally like i was doing I was sitting in the editing bay with her husband. Mm-hmm. I was overseeing that whole project. But April was a fantastic magician, mu, uh, musician. Mm-hmm. And so what she did was she actually put the music to the song and she wrote the last chorus. Oh, wow. So we worked on it together. So mm-hmm. everything we do, filmmaking is a team project. And yes. so everything we do, you, you can't do alone. But what we did get from doing that was we got invited to the producer, produced by conference. Oh, wow. And we went there, and it's uh, the biggest uh, producer conference in the world. Mm. And we got invited by the by the uh, president of the produce, Producers Guild of America. Wow, <laughs> that's we awesome! Went, and we took classes from like Seth Rogan and uh, Holy... Mark Gordon, and <sighs> oh my god, it was it's so. That was the only a year I didn't pay. All the other years, I either volunteered so I could go to those classes, yeah. or I would I would pay to go because it's a twelve hundred dollars. Well, it was twelve hundred dollars a year, mm-hmm. but if you get like five people to go, it's only like four hundred dollars a person.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, like, it was
2: really awesome. I've met producers from all over the world, literally.
0: Yeah, like oh my gosh, like even that too. I was a I want to ask you about uh, it's a you said docudrama or right? right Right. so what was it like doing the documentary side because like that's totally different than a narrative side too as well like what was like there's a different approach
2: I think it was very disturbing mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know I did have to, I mean I only talked to one girl yeah but I kept going back to her because her story was so compelling like she would tell me about uh, I was, I was just recording her and she would talk about um uh, that you know that sometimes she would sleep on the bus and mm-hmm. and she was a big girl like she was a She was a big, uh, I don't know, black girl, but she looked like, I thought she was a boy when I first talked to her. Mm. Like just the way she dressed and everything. But then as you got to know her, you started to realize that she probably did it to protect herself.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So
2: so yeah, and then of course we went to all the places that the teams were supposed to go. Mm-hmm. We were kind of disappointed in some of them because there were nothing but administrators there. I saw one homeless teen in the whole place, we were there for three hours. Oh wow. And then I, I don't wanna say what the what the organization is, but then yeah. when we said, Hey, we wanna partner and we wanna do all these things and they were like, Well, you know, we need, we want to control everything you do. And I was like, well, that's not how this is going to go. Are you going to pay us? Cause that's yeah. not how this is going to go, <laughs> you know? And so, and no one has been talking about teen homelessness at that time. Yeah, uh, They had done it like five years prior, but they hadn't been doing it at that time. So mm-hmm. we felt like, oh, you know, and it's funny because the day after we, we, uh, toured this facility, uh, they actually had had, um, Channel, Channel Eight News there. Oh, okay. So I think they were worried.
0: Oh. <laughs> Jeez.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, it is different. Documentary yeah. is different. I I haven't done any since. Um, I just like narrative.
0: Yeah. Have Have you thought about going ever going back? Maybe in the back of your mind, you have a, like maybe I would do a documentary again.
2: I would probably, if I were to do another project like mm-hmm. that, I would probably go back to teen homelessness and then just really just. Grind out Yeah The real deal I just It makes me feel sad
0: Yeah no Understandable That's that's a very Like hard That's a hard topic too Like especially I feel like for your first documentary That's like a very hard topic to do In the sense of like What you're witnessing As well
2: Yeah because kids are like And, and the thing about They're not little kids Yeah so, you know Little kids are endearing And, and I know there's, there's abuse And everything With little kids But then They're not in a kid And they're not an adult so they're stuff right in between, you know, they're not driving yeah. cars, and they don't have a driver's license because they're homeless. They're in this, they're in betweener. So they don't have, so people don't give them as much sympathy or they don't really think about them so much because mm. they figure, well, you know, 16 and up is considered an adult. So they yeah. don't see them now. They yeah. see them as adults. And then these kids are completely, because of their situation they've been in, they're, they're not ready for the real world. They're surviving, yeah. but that's all they're doing.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh so so Scary, going,
2: huh?
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of depressing right now so hold on we can move on to yeah. what
2: I'm doing I'm actually doing a mom squad yeah well I, I, have,
0: I was gonna ask about that stuff and and ask about how'd you got mama bird uh productions how'd you start that also
2: oh well when we were doing the kids shows so I don't know if you know what I look like but I have a kind of a long skinny nose mm. and I when I got pregnant my husband's 'Cause I have really skinny legs and yeah. I was big every real so my husband would tease me and he'd call me Big Bird. Oh. <laughs> and then when my when we were doing kids shows, my daughter named the company Mama Bird Productions. Gotcha. And it just kinda of stuck.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> so people
2: <laughs> always remember it, so I kept it.
0: It's easy it's, it's very easy to remember. It's 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 very catchy also.
2: Yeah, so people don't ever like. all you know, I always usually sometimes people will just introduce me as Mama Bird. They don't even introduce me as to half the time, but they know me. So, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so let let's talk about your twenty twenty because it's been pretty it's been pretty crazy in the sense of like you did a lot of projects in twenty twenty. You you were coming out with a bang. Um, so you you're talking about Mom Squad now. How how long has that been in development?
2: About three years because I was literally talking about it at the bar I was working at and. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, we, I was just kind of like building up the concept. And I had a completely different concept, but mm-hmm. I was taking acting classes. And this beautiful Russian girl came into our class. Uh-huh. Her name's Tanya Petro. And she, and you know, her English is broken because she's Russian. Yeah. But she was dropped in, and she's a, she's a really good actress, but she's like one of those people that are good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a it <laughs> or what, but so her and I were talking and we were making actor reels. Mm-hmm. Um, because we needed them for our uh, acting pages. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard for her to find stuff because she is Russian. Mm-hmm. So one of the jokes in the class was, uh, in Ryan's class, is when he first met her, he asked her if she was a spy. <laughs> so... We had to do these reels, so and I so I talked to her and I'm like, hey, I go, I have this really quirky idea. Mm-hmm. I go, I don't know if you would be interested. And of course, you're Russian, so I don't know what offends you and what doesn't offend you. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what's offensive to yeah. somebody who's from Russia. <laughs> so I wrote this uh, three-page little dialogue, and uh, I sent it to her, and she was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so. We, so, it's on Facebook. You can actually look it up under Mom Squad. It yeah. was the first clip that we released. I think it was like nine months ago. But we released it because, and we were like, this This is Mom Squad. Is that- because originally it was supposed to be like a group of women who lived in the neighborhood. Yeah. And the CIA was going to train these women who had these <laughs> uh, specific powers. Like they just were super smart at this or super yeah. good at that. And we were there to be recruited. But then when Tanya came on the scene, I was like, I mean, how funny is it that? You know, one character works for the CIA and the other and they're recruiting a girl who's literally straight from Russia.
0: <laughs> it is pretty funny. Good juxtaposition ju- juxtaposition. Right. And then
2: when we were auditioning, because Donna Fisher's now um, part of it and she's, yeah. British, she's from Britain. She's yeah. British. So so when I went audition, I actually wrote the, um, the, the game boss. Yeah. As a um, as an American woman, mm-hmm. like, you know, CIA hard ass. But that uh, when I put it, and Donna's a lot younger than what I posted it as. She, mm-hmm. it was you know during COVID times, she's like, hey, I'm just sitting around because I would love to audition for G Mom. Yeah. So I was like, hey, you know, Buzz will come down. You know, we were COVID safe and we mm-hmm. every had masks and whatever. But so so we had all these great. Actresses come in for this part of G Mom, mm-hmm. and Donna comes in. And that British accent I don't know what it was, but that's what really put her over the top uh, because they we were thinking, How funny would it be yeah. if James Boss was British oh. and her partner is Russian? <laughs> you... <laughs> I mean, that's about as crazy as it gets. Unfortunately, uh, Tanya went back to uh, Russia. Oh, so, during COVID, but she's still part of it. We're just kind of cutting her character down. Gotcha. Because she, she says she can get a film crew in Russia to do parts, but Jane and Jane and Sasha will never be in the same room together. So, I have a couple of things written for her, but I had to shrink her part down.
0: Well, just
2: because he ended up having to go home.
0: I mean, you so. also, you had you have the working, technically, of doing, uh, if you had kept the original idea, you could have did a spinoff called International Mom Squad.
2: Oh, it's oh, all the characters. So but basically what we did, we recasting this. So we have a couple of characters. Like
0: mm.
2: one's kind of like the female version of uh, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she, and she's very fashion and you know, very fashion-forward. Yeah. So we have, you know, so they're really quirky characters. And uh, my character's just a straight girl. Like she doesn't understand why she's yeah. not this super uh, big agent when she's literally dealing with idiots.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's great.
2: <laughs> so that's basically you know how how it's all come about. We do have some in the can already. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm proud. So we have four done. They're mm-hmm. micro, so they're anywhere between three and a half minutes mm-hmm. to eight minutes each episode. And the idea was to start putting them on YouTube mm-hmm. and then um, actually uh, putting like product placement in, but hopefully selling it as a movie as somebody watches them because. They are funny, yeah. you know, yeah, so yeah. It, they were kind of like our own little teaser trailer of like, this is what it can be. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if we had money, what it could be?
0: That's always a good question. Cause like, it's always like, even the it's, for independent, it's always a question like, you know, you get, get, what can I do with money? I can do a lot more than what I can. If you see what I have already, I can do a lot more with it, with, with, uh, funding.
2: Right. And the thing is, is now they got all these things, like I'm thinking about putting it on Facebook stories because, yeah. you know, not to, a lot of people are doing these Facebook stories and they're getting 15 million views.
0: E- even, even like just Facebook watch <laughs> in general too. Like all you need, if I think on a fan page, if I'm not mistaken, because I've looked into it on my fan page for chasing the frame, you need like a thousand, if you have a thousand likes and a thousand like watch hours on Facebook, like through videos or something like that, you're eligible to get the brand content and all that stuff onto mm-hmm. those videos. If I if i from right. last forgotten, I looked. So there's a bunch of opportunities. The only
2: problem with mine is that I'm using YouTube music, mm. you know. The, yeah. So I, so I do have one guy that I've been using it, but he's pretty inexpensive if I go outside of YouTube. Yeah. So and I love his music because like I have this. I'm actually editing this frame for this uh, thing with uh, Tanya for mm-hmm. character Sasha, and she's coming in from the airport, and I found this. Great Russian waltz music. Oh. So I see this beautiful girl in a bright pink dress coming out of the airport, and it's just like it's just it's just hilarious. Yeah, because it's just it's just you know. So and I do use like a lot of sound effects and stuff mm-hmm. to add a little more comedy because it's so. Yeah. You're probably so young. You probably don't remember a TV show called Get Smart. I
0: know of the so m- movie was, version. I I do know that. I know a little bit about yeah, the original uh, original show though.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of a quirky little, like, Mm. you know, agent, and he's agent 86, and he's a complete, you know, bungling idiot. Yes. And then everybody else around him is straight and normal, (laughs) where, except for the the evil people, they're usually pretty much their own bungling type of idiot, so we just kind of reverse that, (laughs) basically. Very nice. You know, Uh, so everybody else is insane, so I think it makes it a little more interesting, and what I try to do, too, is I'm carrying. Every comedy movie that I've seen, like we just filmed an episode um, with James and Johnny, mm-hmm. and somebody will him or do. They're like, "Are we filming American Pie?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, "It's kind of my own quirky version of American Pie." I mean, so I kind of take a little bit from um, different things that I've watched and that yeah. I enjoyed, and then I kind of try to put a little spin on. It.
0: Hey, I love comedy movies, so I'm I'm totally amped to see this actually because I mean, mm-hmm. comedy is a huge like some of my favorite comedies are like The Office and Curb Your Enthusiasm and like just for shows and like movie wise like there's a plethora of films I own that are comedies especially Mel Brooks I love Mel Brooks
2: yes
0: Yes. me too but also going back and Mom Squad too you writing that how has it been writing that Right, I mean I know it's micro but have you have you thought about a season 2 have you thought about season 3 have you what are your plans for that I I
2: actually have because you know there's, there's a actually I have quite a few characters yeah but i i kind of uh i do have ideas for each and every one of them and how they move on and how they move forward mm-hmm. um so yeah i have thought about it. i haven't written like a show bible yeah but oh, i haven't i i have it, but I, I have the idea of you know where these people are going to grow to yeah um honestly right now i'm just laser focused on trying to raise some money because mm-hmm. you know uh there are certain locations that I can't get. Like we're trying to do an episode inside a um, adult bookstore and I know they're going to charge me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's, you know, uh, at the quirky comedy, but, uh, so we're kind of trying to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to secure that soon, but getting a location and then of course you have to deal with. What was
0: that? Uh, I, uh, you broke up for a second. What was that last thing?
2: I said, so you have to deal with COVID. Yeah. That's and true. you got to feed everybody. You know, so you got yeah. to make sure, you know, you have all the equipment on hand and then you got to make sure that everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we, we pretty much kept it um, encapsulated. We did do one um, uh, episode where we had stunts, so but yeah. we pretty much encapsulated everybody and everybody was like, you know, they tried to stay as far apart from each other. We were trying to really be careful about it. Yeah. But um, it, it is hard because you want to create and you want to do these things. And mm-hmm. everybody was very cool about it. And, you know, it, it, nobody got sick. Thank God.
0: That's good. That's always a plus. That's always a plus yeah. right now, especially yeah. at this nobody's
2: time. nobody's been sick. The only one who got sick was our original DP. I had to replace him with... Um, another D P yeah. on the day of that shoot was because he actually did come down with COVID. Oh geez. But I had not been around him for like a month.
0: Oh, that's good. Cause it was
2: like a month in between filming. So I hadn't been around him. And so it was two days and I had the location set up mm-hmm. and I, and it was like one of those locations that you'll never get again. Yeah. And then I had, you know, uh, 10 people showing up and, you know, camera people, just all kinds of stuff going yeah. on. And so, um, I, so when I so we went out there, so I basically had to call him and say, "Hey, Steven, I'm sorry, but I I got another DP for this episode." Yeah, and he was like, "That's fine." Yeah, and then uh, and this guy was great. Mike Conway has mm. been making films out here since the '80s, and oh my god, yeah, <laughs> it's probably one of my favorites.
0: <laughs> nice,
3: <laughs> what? but
2: I can't I can't release that one until the other ones are filmed because I didn't film in an order oh. because I didn't have that opportunity to have that spot again.
0: Yeah, no, understandable. What's it like for you filming out of order? Also, because I I've done that before, and that's been a very hard on my brain. But then again, I was shooting three shows at once, and different episodes it, it, each time.
2: And with me, that's what it's like. It's like shooting three shows at once. I yeah. just try to um, I I just try to kind of think about what it's gonna be like when it's on the um the screen or mm-hmm. on the TV or on YouTube or whatever. And then like, because we did do it out of order, there was a couple of things that I'd like to add to it. So the problem with doing this is you go, Oh, I could do this and it would make it more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can make this character more interesting. And then of course we lost Tanya. So then it was like, okay, I had to readjust everything. Cause yeah. he thought we were just going to stop. It was like, no, you don't understand. I have never done a project. I did not finish. Yeah. And I, and this is my favorite project. So, I'm finishing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's your baby, also.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so yeah, I mean, I can adjust, I can change the rules a little bit. Yeah, it's my thing. I do have another writer on it. His name's Mike McKenna. He came Mm. from New York. He was a uh, New York playwright. Yeah, and when when I wrote the first episode, he was actually our DP because he had a 4K camera. Mm. So and then and then he started, you know, because he is a writer. Yeah, better writer than me. He's started going. Well, what about this and what about that? So then he he's written a few episodes. And, yeah. And I do I do a lot of teamwork. So basically, yeah. what I do is I don't I don't I don't care if I direct every episode, and I don't want to direct myself because that usually just turns into a terrible performance.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask <laughs> so, you about that too. Have you direct like because you're a director and you're acting in it? Also, have you like what? How's that situation been for you? Like, I know everyone's like the hardest critic on themselves, but. What's it like being an actor and Honestly, director in the scene?
2: I, I I hate, I hate, I need a director to direct me because I don't even, you know, when you're acting, you need to focus on that. Yeah. um But a lot of the episodes, you know, even though it's about Jane's character, it's really not just about Jane. It's about the people around her because, yeah. you know, when you build characters, you have to build a whole world.
0: Very true.
3: So,
2: so there's a lot of, there's a lot of episodes where she's not even in it so, that's, those are usually the ones I dive into directing. Yeah. And then everything else is kind of like I talk to. Mike usually will do the other directing. Mm-hmm. I did let Steven Seibo, the DP, direct one. Yeah, um, And then Donna just didn't want to do it. But I try to give everybody like a little, like so that they can get more credit. Yeah, and, yeah. and they get that experience because that's how you do it. Yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. I, I can't pay in currency. So this is, I call it creative currency.
0: That, that works. That works for anyone. Yep. Uh,
3: even yeah, and
2: like if actors wanted to jump in, they say, "Hey, I really like to direct an episode, or I'd like to write an episode." Yeah, like, I'll just outline it. And yeah, because I, you know, it's really not fair to sit there and go, "This is all about me." There is no project all about you.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so you're you're yeah. more like the show. You want to be like the showrunner. So you're like the, the examples. I would say is Greg Daniels. Like you're the the person overall. <laughs>
2: I am the, yeah, I'm the overall. I'm the yeah. creative entity. I'm, yes, I am the overall. I do write some of it, yeah. but I don't expect to write at all. I yeah. I I, I set up the circumstances, but I think a lot of producers do that. where yeah. They don't write at all, but they just outline everything. I actually do write. Yeah. But um, but I do like others. I think people are smart, especially in our industry. Mm-hmm. I think they're super smart, and they... Uh, and they always want to do more, especially if you're behind the scenes. You always want to do that one thing you haven't done. Yet.
0: Very true. Yeah, is you know? I, I would like to. I would like to direct a movie, but I haven't done that yet. You know, what I mean. <laughs> so that's...
2: I actually entered that seven 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 challenge. I'm hoping they pick me because they were looking for a woman director. I oh, know nice. There's others that have, that have been doing it for yeah. a while. But you know, I feel like. Well, I told Michael, well, I got the time to do it, and yeah. I know I can direct because I see my episodes and. I think they look really good. And it's funny, even when other people are directing, mm. they'll ask me, they want me to kind of guide them through. So they'll ask me, I usually don't say anything unless they ask, yeah. unless it's something that I know is going to bother me later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I'll be there, but if it's, I, I don't, I don't do that into that with myself, but if it, if they're, if they're directing like other people and, and I've let them do the episode, I'll usually kind of oversee it a little bit. Yeah. So I don't waste anybody's time. Yeah. But, um, I love directing. I actually love directing. I think that's kind of, um, I've been directing forever. I've been mm. directing shows since I was a kid. Yeah. My cousin and I used to put together puppet shows and I basically like said, okay, you're this, I'm that, you know. <laughs> so I, I've been basically, and, and I think I'm really pretty good with people because uh, I've worked with a lot of actors that people were telling me they weren't that good. And mm. The first time they tried something with me, I felt like they're performance kind of stilted yeah and then I kind of work with them a little bit and they're my favorite performances so I feel like you to know, because I'm an actor I yeah. know how to talk to
0: actors yeah definitely and and I like to say also being a uh you know working in the bar industry I think also you know how to talk to people as well too because you have to have that uh you know um, blank down the word but that uh sociability as well too oh well, yeah it's a lot
2: easier when they've had a cocktail or too that that, that that
0: too also <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, good point. You, you make a good point. You make a better point than I do. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, I was going to also say, too, having the extra writers as well, it it must be like uh, really also a fresh breath of breath air, too, because they're bouncing other ideas to you. And you're like, oh, I never thought of that, too. And, you know, like now you're like readjust, not re, maybe you're readjusting or like rewriting stuff as well, too. I think the thing I like about having other
2: writers is, and like I said before, I yeah. like working the whole team thing because. I'm, I'm the kind of person where I listen to what yeah. everybody says and then I process it. And I probably use 80 to 90% of a good, of what they say, because they're smart people. I don't want to yeah. work with, I don't, I don't work with people who aren't, who aren't into it and, and they're not saying, you know, and believe me, I blurred out a lot of stupid stuff. So mm. <laughs> I always feel like there's not a stupid idea. You just have to get it out there and then we got to figure out whether or not it works or not. Yeah. And then, you know, I try to make it work because it's, you know they they won't they wouldn't be even offering the suggestion if they didn't think that it would be good for the project.
0: Tr- very true. And no idea is stupid because you like you said you can just fix not fix it but you can kind of work on it and mold it.
2: Right. So right. And the only reason I'm really editing is because I even mean, though I love the guys who DP out here, I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're you're. And, and, of course, like, writing back and forth and everything gets to be a thing because everybody lives all across town. But yeah. I think the thing about them is that even when you have it on paper, even when you write it down, even yeah. when you film it, they don't see what's in your head. Very true. So a lot of times, like, they'll edit it, and they think it's good. And then I'll go back and go, well, it was really good, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm over there, like, three, four times fixing things. and yeah. um It was funny because uh, Mike Conway is a very good editor. Like he edited that whole thing with Brenna Mm. and he's like, great. So he had it all laid out, but I was, and it was, he did a great job. And the thing is, is that he didn't get all the jokes because I had the, the way they were kind of the beats in between them, how they were set up in my head. Yeah. So when I left here, so I was, I went over to house two times and we were just like literally like, you know, ripping apart everything that he had just done, (laughs) spending hours and hours on. And then when I left, he says to me, he goes, you know, I agree with almost everything that you just did there. And I like to go almost everything. He goes, no, everything, (laughs) you know, But it was just funny because I knew he was just giving me crap and I tortured him a little bit, but I feel like editors are so used to that. They're like, "Yeah." so basically what I do now is I kind of write down all the clips that I use Mm -hmm. because I'm not a good colorist or anything, So I kind of write down all the clips that I use. I know exactly what to what second that that the cut is I I said and I literally will send them the cut I have. Sometimes they'll have to like redo it. Yeah. Because I'm not a colorist. And then they'll go in and they'll they'll fix other things. So that's been really helpful because I do know how to put you know, copy paste, put it together, but yeah. coloring that's like a whole thing. That, I know mean, you can put a let on it, but the let don't even matter. That's true. uh yeah.
0: oh, my friend's a colorist. And it's a he's a pain in the butt. He's probably li- he's gonna listen to this episode because he's gonna do the audio. So, Mark, y- you heard me. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, too, I don't know if you ever heard of this Frame.io. Uh, yeah, Frame. Yeah, Frame.io. I have, you have? I have.
2: What's okay. that, though? What
0: is it? It's basically like if if someone's editing for you, they can upload it to Frame.io. And basically, you can like make uh you know you can type all the notes that you want to in there by, by the time code as well.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm also
0: here. you. What was
2: that? I just something new.
0: Yeah, and also you can like make marks on the on the video too, and like say I want this kind of like moved in or this has to be you know stuff like that. There's, there's it's pretty, it's a pretty fascinating program uh, program on the web. Now, does it only work with what programs? Or cut? I always edit in DaVinci. So it works with DaVinci, Final Cut, and Premiere. From what I know.
2: Okay. Yes. Okay. It, I, yeah. I will definitely check that out
0: Yeah, it's a little. It's it's a, it's like I think twenty bucks a month, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I've used it in the past for a a job I had, and it it worked really well. Um, so I if you if you want to look into it, I highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, the only thing I don't like about the whole filmmaking thing for me is that there's so many subscriptions you have to buy. Yeah,
0: it's, it is a it's pain. Like,
2: <laughs> I just don't think that, you know, when you're an independent filmmaker, like you have a lot of money behind you, mm. you know. And then, of course, if you're doing the acting thing, then you got to pay for, you know, actor's actions. Yeah. And you got to pay for all these things. And it's like, why can't it just be simple?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, like, like, there, I think I got... It for you get it for there or there was a free one on frame.io, but it was like two gigs and like that fills up really quickly, <laughs> and right? It's like, uh, yeah, this is a four gig file. I don't know how I can compress this down any further. <laughs> like, like, what do you want me to do?
2: <laughs> right? I actually just bought a black magic pocket cinema camera. Okay. I actually bought it secondhand. All right, nice. I was, I was actually because I've always had DPs, but yeah. it's like I feel like because I'm getting more and more into it, I feel like I need to. I always want to have a backup plan. To my backup plan.
0: Yeah, it's so, always good to have a backup plan. So, with the backup and plan. I got
2: a really good. Yeah, so I got a, a really good deal, and I had to figure out how to use the thing. Oh. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, I, I know how to use a camera. Yeah. I just haven't used the whole. Okay, but I now because originally I was going to buy a whole um, desktop system mm-hmm. first and get 64 gigs of RAM. And um, so, uh, because you know, when I edit, I edit on my little laptop, and you yeah. know I have. I think I have sixteen. It it'll be slow. I have to literally edit everything in twenty five percent.
0: Oh jeez, oh.
2: Yeah. yeah, in order for it to like roll, I and mean, it'll export back into four K. But yeah, it took me two weeks to figure that out. The first, the oh. first, mom, uh, first mom squad we did, I edited it, and it was like, yeah. I, they're like, how come it's not Daniel? I was like, yeah, I, I can't even get the thing. My computer needs to even take it.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, that's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. if if that ever happens too, there's also something called a proxy workflow, which kind of, I don't know if you know about this either, but like you, you just transcode the uh-huh. files to a smaller file, which is more uh friendly to edit with. And then when you're done, you just turn it back to an online, like to the uh, original uh, file size or the original files. Yeah. That's, I
2: think that's what I'm doing on DaVinci. Oh, I, good. I, I do, I've been using the... Free, I've, using the free but the camera mm. the guy gave me the uh, paid version nice so I'll, i'm looking forward to finding the um the, the extra bells and whistles that they
0: give you yes so it's, al- it's always a plus to get those extra bells and whistles. uh because I, I have a black magic also and i have the davinci studio and that's it mm. adds a little bit because so now you can i think export in 4k when you have studio if i'm not mistaken so more more gigabytes <laughs>
2: Yeah, so yeah. You, need, you need a bigger computer. That's yeah. the only problem. Yeah, That's the problem. Is like once you buy something, you have to buy more stuff. Like I had to buy an adapter for my lenses. Oh, yeah. I, had to, if, if I you,
0: had to do all of that. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah I know. Because that's what the one thing I don't like about Blackmagic as much as I used to is like I realized – like I bought this camera, and the, this is the older model when it was a square thing, and literally mm-hmm. – I had to buy a battery I to, because the battery only lasts 90 minutes. So I had to buy a battery, a cage, a this, a that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just want a camera that's more, has more features in it than, than I had to buy all this, this crap. Because, like, I bought ND filters for my camera, and uh-huh. literally they weren't the right ND filters because the infrared, uh, which the IR pollution on the camera is different. So it made <laughs> all my images brown. So I had to buy IRND uh, filters. So I got, Yeah.
2: I went not got the four K one. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty new model. He just had to sell it because it's COVID.
0: Yeah, understandable. So
2: we yeah, well, we actually I got a cage. I got nice. like I got, I got I got a place to put my monitor, like Look,
0: yep, you got I some good it, stuff.
2: Pretty, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I actually got a great deal. Yeah, um, but I basically told them because I am doing some work with them mm-hmm. is I just told him, Hey, if you guys need a second camera, you have access because I you know I I felt like I sold the thing, but you know he needed the money and yeah. I wanted the camera.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's a <the> win-win, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, and I told him you can have access. I don't have problems, yeah. friends. I don't care. Uh, so yeah, and he he usually used it twice in a year.
0: Oh wow! Um, so. so besides Mom Squad, you also did in twenty twenty that I saw uh, Abigail haunting. I
2: did do Abigail haunting. I actually did that. Uh, before 2020 I, oh. I think it got released in 2020 they were actually released it two months early because their distributor wanted them to release it because they weren't ready mm. but then Kelly Schwartz of uh, Indie film factory yep. he he called her base and said hey we're gonna release early uh, the distributor wants it now we're yeah. just gonna do it now it's a bad time but because I don't know how it's gonna turn out He goes, like so really bad we're not doing like the red carpet thing but because yeah. the distributor wants it out, so we're taking it out. So yeah. what happened with that was they literally went to the top ten movies on um, Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. And it, it stayed there for quite some time. But I actually did that movie. Um, I, audition- I was actually the second choice in that movie for mm-hmm. uh, Marge because they had actually casted it up in Colorado. Yeah. And then their location, they had already set up. And then the lady who owned a house up in Colorado found out that it was like a, a horror movie. Oh. And she, was, and she wanted to sell the house, but she was afraid that she could not sell the house if they did a, like a, a ghost movie there. Huh. Interesting. So so then he put up the posting for auditions, and I, I was taking classes, and I was like, I'm just going to audition for this. I yeah. don't know. And I knew Kelly, but you know, yeah. I knew, I'd never auditioned for him before. And so and I, I did it one way and my friend Stu Chaiken was helping me with the audition, so I sent it to him and he goes, Well, you should try it this way and maybe use this emotion and I was like, Okay, and it's eleven o'clock at night and I had to go to work the next day. I'm like, I'm gonna kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and redid it, and I spent another hour and a half on it, loaded it up, sent it to my friend, and he goes, Well, you decide which one you want. And then I really wanted to kill him. So <laughs> So then I went to, to work and I was training this kid and we were sitting at lunch at noon yeah. and I had these two clips and I didn't know what to do with them. And then finally I just said, you know what, I'm just going to send them both because they're two, they're two different ways. Yeah. And he can decide if he even likes any of them. So, yeah. and then I, I left work about five o'clock and Kelly calls me and he starts telling me about the location, about, you know, when they're filming, but he never said, Hey, you're getting the part. Finally I had after 10 minutes of talking, I said, so, am I being cast? Or? <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So, well, it was a great. Movie. Michael Cuesta was a great DP. Yeah, um, I thought it was. I thought it was a great breakout little film for me to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and was that one of your first horror? That's one of your first horror films, I'm guessing, right?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then um, so I had audition. I so I just did Night of the Tommyknockers with the Mahal brothers. Yeah. And so I had auditioned for him a lot long time ago when mm-hmm. I first started taking classes and I actually got a callback but they never made the movie. Oh. So I and then he had all these other films and I auditioned, I auditioned for him but I never I never even got a callback so I'm thinking oh I don't you know so yeah. it was kind of a goal of mine to be in one of their films mm. and uh, I actually outlined a western horror when they posted they were doing a western horror, was like horror I was like I'm going to be in this film. Nice. And, so, and then when, he, when they set out the sides I um I'm always, I always kind of look. I'm, I'm kind of under the radar. Like I don't dress all up a whole lot. I'm mm. kind of, you know, kind of low key. Yeah. And the character is for um, a saloon madam. Mm. So I, I literally dressed up with whatever I had in my closet, did my makeup, and everything to look like I was a saloon madam. And my daughter has a manager, and he's a kids manager. And I don't know what happened, but that morning he messaged me to be a Facebook friend or, or requested me a Facebook friend. Yeah. He's been her manager for years and he's never done that before, so I accepted him. And then I went to text to my girlfriend, uh, Donna Fisher. I was like, you know, I showed her, I took a picture of the outfit and I said, Is this too much? Yeah, and he goes, and He texted me back, goes, No, you go, girl, you go. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my first encounter with my daughter's manager. I was, I was like, Oh, god, I, I just embarrassed. <laughs> He's gonna hate me. But he was fine with it. But he actually thought it was very funny, and uh, and I did get the part. I nice. got like thirty women. Wow. So how, yeah, how, that was pretty cool. I How thought.
0: how was that uh, on set experience for you? Uh, you know, doing that big bigger. How is it a big role? Is it a supporting role? What what role is that?
2: It's a it's a supporting role. Yeah. I don't think it was a big role. I mm. think it was just one of those roles that they wanted in there because they want. You know, they they originally had six. Girls that were supposed to be playing the ladies of the night.
3: Yeah.
2: But they cut it down to two plus the madam.
3: Gotcha. But I
2: think, uh, and my character was supposed to be funnier, but then they they ended up um, bringing her down a little bit because I think they decided to go more horror. I mean, it still got a lot of quirky moments in it, but they really wanted to make it more scary. But um, yeah, it was actually a great experience. I got to be in three scenes with Richard Draco, and I had no idea I was going to be in those scenes with them. Wow. So what? that was pretty cool. Yeah. And he was very cool. And it's funny because um when we were in the makeup room, like, you know, all the girls were like kind of fluttering all over him and, yeah. and he's just a really nice guy, right? So I just didn't really say a whole lot. And then he addressed me and, and we and we talked a little bit and then um and right before he left he goes, uh he goes so he goes, Are you gonna be here tomorrow? And I said, No, actually I'm they're killing me off tonight. <laughs> Which that's a great story in itself. I I did so that movie they had costumes there mm-hmm. that they were renting. Yeah and then they had costumes that they bought for some of the main characters. So they had bought my costume. Yeah. For me. But Michael Stu couldn't know didn't know whose costume he could mess up and whose costumes he couldn't. And so they bought me two costumes, one one to die in and <laughs> one to wear. Well that's
0: nice of them. Because they
2: had to because they were gonna destroy a costume. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. <laughs> That was pretty interesting. So yeah. then, so it's like, the, it's like the last minute of the day. Mm-hmm. It's one o'clock in the morning, and they're putting me in makeup to make me look like I got murdered yeah. by this creature. But anyway, so, but what was so funny about it to me was I felt like a doll because it took the FX artist like an hour to put all this stuff on me. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm just, you know, we've already done blood gushing. I can't explain too much of yeah. it. But But then they started screaming, you know, mouth, blood. And I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) And then I had to do this thing. And it was like, I, it was almost hilarious. And I felt like I'm literally they had to wrap me up in a trash bag because there was no place to take a shower and I was just covered in all this stuff. Oh. And I had to go to my hotel room, which was like 40 minutes away. Oh. <laughs> that must have been a <laughs> and,
0: fun 40 minute ride.
2: First, when I took a shower, it looked like I, I looked like I was literally in a mood, you know, a psycho movie with Yeah. Just, you know, blood just, yeah, it was, it was it was an experience. <laughs> And it was cold, Yeah, oh. but it was a great little. It, it was. It was
0: a great fit. But no, it's not a big part. But it, I think it's an important part now. Oh, right. that's okay. awesome. Uh, well, now hopefully that comes out soon. By the time this episode, hopefully by the time this episode's out, this episode will probably be out in like, I think Septemberish, if I did my math correctly. I
2: I don't know. They have three other films they are launching
0: before that. One. Oh wow. Okay. Then never mind. Then maybe it will be out after this episode. <laughs> Way after. So we'll see, right, uh, right,
2: right.
0: Um, and then I saw you did uh, Carol's Christmas as well.
2: Yeah, I actually did a. It was a fifty-two-hour film festival for the producers' conference because mm-hmm. they invited me to do one. Yeah, and it was like one of those forty-eight-hour type deals. Okay. And, um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, did one, and I had met this guy. Um, his name is David Womack. Womack. And he had actually contacted me because I had put out a posting that I was looking for a crew and whatever. He goes, well, I can edit. So then he ended up going, well, why don't you just bring everybody over here and we'll film it? So I was like, okay, so I worked with him. He was great. Um, It was a good experience. And then um, he just messaged me one day and he's like, hey, I'm always the second choice, just so you know. So he goes, hey, the girl I cast can't make it. He he goes, I know you're doing some acting. He goes, do you want to come and do this part? I'm like, sure, no problem. (laughs) So I went and did that, and that just released the other day. But he did that quick. He's fast. Yeah. Like, he's super fast. So, yeah, so I get to meet a whole, you know, a, a whole different group of people, mm-hmm. and I play The Ghost of Christmas Past. And it's kind of a little warped uh, version of, the, of A Christmas Carol.
0: Awesome. I think I just saw something recently that says it's coming out soon. Or. So, no, I
2: thought it came out.
0: It's, or, like, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, it's okay. Maybe I, I, must, I must have misread it then. I apologize. Uh, what, no, it, I think it came out
2: yesterday. That's oh,
0: oh, you know, I think I, yeah. Th- yeah, you're right. I think I read I just read it wrong. Now I think I'm thinking about it, I think I read it quickly, and I think I just misread. Um, what else? Yeah, but
2: that was a probably a fun in A lot of Vegas actors, good Vegas actors
0: were in that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's always good. Yeah. Um, what else have you been doing? What What's your goals for twenty twenty one? What have your goals been?
2: Uh, my goals for twenty twenty one is to finish Mom Squad, mm-hmm. and then I um I want to make uh my horror western. It's called The Little Town Forgotten, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like if I was to pitch it, I would say it's the Omen meets Pale Rider. Pale Rider was one of Clint Eastwood's very old spaghetti westerns. Okay, type. yeah, Clint Eastwood, so, right? And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, what it's all outlined. I actually wrote the script for my classmates and then we never, I don't think they were that interested in, of course I was acting, I wasn't really screenwriting and so they didn't know. And so like, you know, I would just go in there and, you know, I did a class early and then we'd sit and talk about it and they were somewhere into it somewhere and then they just, it just kind of milled it away. But I, of course I never stopped. So I'm just like, okay, well I can do this myself. So, so that's probably going to be my next project. I have another one too that I've been writing in, the, in a screenwriting class with these guys. Yeah. and uh, it's called the Shit Show. So, oh, and that's basic. It's a comedy, uh. and it's about a little, a little uh, backward town and a uh, old radio station.
0: Oh, that sounds cool too.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so I have all kinds of ideas. I'm just trying to figure out, you know. But I, I need to finish Mom Squad before I do anything else because yeah. I am a little ADHD.
0: Uh, understandable, understandable. I mean, I think every creative is. um And also, I don't want to forget. You have a podcast. When did you start that? How did you start that? What made you want to start that?
2: Okay, so that's probably not a good story. But okay, I then. when I when I finished um, when I lost my job,
3: mm.
2: somebody had approached me and said they wanted to partner with me. Blah 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 blah. And we started this little business. Mm-hmm. And I was in it for like six weeks, but things just did not turn out the way that I was told it was gonna be. Gotcha. And so I ended up at, but this person does a lot of podcasting. Mm -hmm. And so that was gonna be part of the business and we were gonna like offer podcasting, whatever. Yeah. And I didn't really know anything about it, but because I was in it for six weeks, I was doing all kinds of research on it. Like how do you monetize, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And this person had it monetized on a podcast, but yet they had almost four million viewers at one time. Wow. So. I know. So um, anyway, so that didn't work out. And um, I thought that um, I'm doing, I did this film with Tania Dow and Julie Garcia-Brasino and it was called Women Directors Over a Certain Age. And we were doing like, it's a documentary type style thing. Mm -hmm. So we were, it's still not done yet, but we were doing that. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if I just add a little podcast to it and Anchor came out with, you can do a podcast on your phone. Yeah. So I thought, well I could do that and then with COVID nobody wants to be in the same room with you. I did a couple in my car, yeah. which is kind of cool because I have a little red caddy. So yeah. that was kind of cool, like some people really like that, but the problem is is that you know COVID kick getting worse and worse and worse. So mm-hmm. I basically just do it off the anchor app and then I um it's called Real Women and it celebrates women in independent film and kinda like what you're doing. I my my only question because I do interview men is the only question for anybody is, you know, what woman in the film industry inspired you mm-hmm. to be doing what you're doing, whether she's your mom, your sister, I don't know yeah. whether she's, you know, Shirley MacLaine or whoever she is. Yeah. And so that's basically, and then, and then we just do what you're, we're doing here. We just talk about, you know, what they're doing, what their plans are, what their yeah. aspirations
0: are. Well, that's awesome. And everyone who's listening to the podcast should definitely check out Brenda's podcast, by the way, real women. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, I have, I, are you ready for the second part of the podcast?
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. It's time for the open forum of the show when we talk about the strengths, weaknesses, and what can we do to improve the film community in Vegas. Uh, and it's all through your opinion and your eyes. So let's talk about the positives in life. And you, by the way, you can plead the fifth on the show. So you are allowed to okay. plead the fifth. So let's talk about the good things. Let's talk about the strengths. What through your eyes have you seen as strength of the Vegas film community? I
2: think the. That- the strength of the Vegas film community is that we are literally like a small family. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows as everybody or they know that person or they've worked with them in some capacity.
0: It's like six degrees of separation or Kevin Bacon as people call it.
2: Yeah, but it's a lot closer than that.
0: Yeah, like three. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're like we're like first cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Once removed, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe depends on who you are, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that that's the strength of our community is that we all really are. At the end of the day, we're rooting for each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, any other strengths? Just just list them off.
2: Um, I just feel like uh, I don't know. That's a big one. I guess that was kind of an overall. I just think the strength is that we all are really. Those of us who are here mm-hmm. are really working hard to make sure that. People from bigger markets are getting to notice us. And I and like with Kelly and then with the Mahals and all that, they really are getting that recognition. Mm -hmm. And and what I like about Kelly's is he's kinda like the hometown guy. Yeah. Like I he'll never yeah, like he's been to LA but he doesn't really care about that market. He just cares about making a good product. Yeah. So that's kind of what I I like about Kelly. Kelly's kinda like the homegrown guy. Mm -hmm. He just loves the process. And then the Mahals are kinda like they're like the crossover, like they love our Vegas community, but their their aspirations are to just get bigger and better. And I met um, Michael Mahal at a class that I took at Kelly. Okay. So, so, so we are pretty closely. So it, it is it is nice to get to know everybody who's doing films, whether they're just starting out yeah. or whether or not they're moving other places, because you just never know where you're going to get.
0: Very true. Very true. Uh, anything else before we go to the weaknesses?
2: Um, no, I can't think of anything right now Alright,
0: <laughs> you can come back to it if you like uh, What are the weaknesses you've seen through through your eyes?
2: Um, I think the weaknesses out here Honestly is um, People who Who let their ego get in the way Yeah And, and, uh, and they're very critical of what's going on And mm. sometimes they forget And I guess that's in any film market But they yeah. forget what it's like to start out. Yeah. You know, no, you may not have the best camera. Maybe you're making a movie on an iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, but you have this idea you want to get out. You know what? I think our weakness is that, you know, they almost, people don't like, I don't think it's, this is just normal psychology. It's they, I feel like people don't really want to root for those people as much as they say they do. They yeah. just kind of do it to, to make them look better. You yeah. know, I think it's probably social media too. It's like, You you know, I I try to be as transparent as possible with everything I do, Mm -hmm. because I feel like if you walk around talking like you're all that, you're probably not. Yeah, very true. (laughs) I try to be as sincere as possible. And I think a lot of people are not. They're afraid to be sincere. Yeah. They're always saying, well, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say this because people are going to think blah, 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 blah. Well, the reality is that the more transparent you are, the more they trust you, the less transparent you are. They will know. People know. People can smell bullshit
0: a mile away. That's very true, so, and I, and and to piggyback off that, I think people just can't take critiques in this town either.
2: Yeah, they don't listen.
0: They don't know because, like, and but they're like people say, like, oh, well, like you know, they're being an asshole if they critique. I always say, like, no. If if I was being an asshole, I would say your movie sucks and not give you a uh, a reason why. I am critiquing you if I give you a reason right. why, or if it's like good, I am giving you a reason why it's good. You know, like I think that's what people can't handle. As well, like coming from an art school background from like where I went to school, you know, critiques is like the number one thing you, you do every day in class and, you know, you build yourself right. up and understand things and you see it from a different perspective and people I don't think always see that other perspective and understand why people are telling them things, you know, what I mean.
2: Yeah, but there are people that are in this market that like walk around saying they're all like, I've done this and I've done that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That,
0: that, that, I, I well, smell like you said, you smell bullshit a mile away and like, it's, it's called be humble, right. you know?
2: Well, the thing is, is that if you've been lucky enough to do all of that, that is great. You can yeah. Take that knowledge and pass it on to somebody who's just getting started. Yeah. Um, and then maybe help them along. I think that the thing about, and this is the one thing I did find out. I mean, going to that producers' conference was huge for me, not just because I got to be around like people that are like doing the big stuff, was because when they went up and they talked, they made everybody in that room feel like, wow, I'm just like them. Yeah. They were me. You know, like they didn't have these like high-falutin, there were a couple that you mm-hmm. could tell, but for the most part, they were kind of like, they were very humble and they were very, they made everybody in that room feel like they could do this. Yeah. And that, yes, you're going to screw up and yes, you're mm-hmm. going to have problems, and but you're going to be able to do it. It's going to be okay. Just keep going.
0: Yeah. I, I totally, yeah. I totally wish people would see more of that. <laughs> and I think. Right.
2: It, it- yeah. I didn't go to art school I'm like the school of hard knocks I yeah. didn't, you know yeah. I don't I, I don't pretend to know everything but I, I and I had somebody ask me why how do you get all these people together to go do things for you for nothing I go well first of all I I would never ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do myself yeah. and also I wouldn't um if I get paid I'm paying them. yeah that, that's just it's just never it can't just be about you yeah. you you couldn't get that Frame on there if you didn't have that actor. I don't care if it's a background or whatever. Yeah. You couldn't get this done without those people. So you better appreciate them and, you know, at least feed them, man. I can't tell you how many shoots I hear these people, they don't even give them water. Shit. It's like, really?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I was at a shoot once and the guy didn't feed us.
2: Right. Yeah, and look. that's ridiculous. And, you know, if you don't have a lot of money to you you know, see, I, I'm a woman, so maybe that's. Maybe that's the magic. Is like I feel like if I don't have a lot of money, I can just make sandwiches. I always True. make sure there's like snacks there. Yeah. you know what I mean. You know, but really, how much is a pizza at Little Caesars cost?
0: But you know, it's funny the guy, the person <laughs> bought us pizza, but he didn't even buy us a large. He bought like a medium, and it's like, huh? How <laughs> do <laughs> how do you how do you, yeah. do, how do, you do that? Like, uh, right? Oh man,
2: yeah. That's what I like about having other producers, though, because like. When, I, when we had a shoot in this little clubhouse thing, yeah. uh, Donna brought over, you know, I had gotten food, but then she brought over a bunch more food. It's like, we, we're women, so we always make sure being, cause if everybody's in their house.
0: Hey, I like food. I mean. They don't care if
2: they have to wait. Yeah. They'll stay all night. They oh. don't care. Just eat, eat I, your crew. And then, you know, like, my girlfriend Julie does this. I don't do this because yeah. I'm, you know, not working right now, but she always, like, gives people gas money. Oh, that's nice. yeah. eating them.
0: That's, that's, that's Yeah, very no, nice. she's
2: really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I feel like that that's that's a weakness in there because you know, and you can't and the other thing too that is a big weakness out here is mm. when you use a location, yeah. Make that location as nice or nicer than when you brought there you came there so that other people can use that location. Because yeah. once somebody sets up a location and somebody's offering it for free, yeah, you know, you gotta make it a good experience.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And I th- I think if I'm mistaken, I'm not. Don't quote me on this, but you might be like one of the first p- people to say this in a long that that line in a long time about locations and how we should leave it nicer than how we how we uh you know set had it when we went there. So it's really it, that's really nice. Like I haven't really thought about that in a long time. Um, so thank you for bringing that up.
2: You have to care about people. Yeah. I mean, they care enough to let you in the door.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
2: what I mean? And then you know I've used my house for for shoots before, but it's yeah. like. You can just tell the people who care and and like, uh, when we worked for Sean Jackson, like they literally, like the whole crew went around and they like vacuumed and- Oh wow. They did all kinds of stuff, you know? And then like when we were using Kelly studio, it's like you better make sure that light fixture is right where you found it. Yeah. Like you don't, because it's not really fair, you know, if they're, even if you're renting it, you should just leave it nice. Because usually if you do a really good job and you leave it really, really nice, they usually give you a discount too.
0: That's always a plus.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, you can always like, hey, and, you know, they know, hey, they don't have to pay for the cleaning crew. Yeah. Maybe now because of COVID, but you know, at the time, it's like they don't. It, it's cleaner than you were. You know, I was gonna get the place clean. I just gone in in places where they're like, oh, well, we didn't have a chance to clean. I'm like, that's fine. I yeah. have a crew. <laughs> you know, uh
0: any other, and, and you oh. don't want to
2: mess that stuff
0: up. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree with you. Like. Like, <laughs> I might not be the cleanest person at home, but other uh, someone else's house, I'm gonna clean it the shit out of it. Like for someone, right. like I might be a little messy here or there, but like honestly, I will I will clean the any uh, clean the fuck out of it. Part of my French, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyone else's house. So if anyone wants to hire me oh, as a maid, yeah,
2: we're, uh, yeah. Uh, I know uh, one of the guys. He got this water treatment plant. Yeah. it was a great location. They made a film. They literally paid next to nothing to, to have it, and then. Somebody asked them about it. Because they loved the location. Mm-hmm. They told them about it. So Those people went and talked to the people at the water treatment plant, and then they just left it trash. So now, they, now no one can film there again.
0: Oh, that stinks. You know? Yeah. A- a- anything else? Any other weakness-wise that you've seen through your eyes?
2: Mm, not really. Nope. I okay. think You know, you just have to treat the people. And, you know, and remember, I feel like people if someone's on set and they like, maybe the actor's not having a good day or if the director's not having a good day or the DP's not, whatever's going on. Yeah. And you might not get your bad shoot out of it. That That's not their only shoot. I mean, yeah. you have to, you have to have patience and you have to be kind because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Very true. And they're there, you know, working their butts off and whether they're paid or not, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You know, you, you got to give everybody at least one break. I know it's like, you know, these, somebody's like,
0: well, that actually sucks. Well,
2: they actually did great at the audition, but
0: maybe they're just having a really bad day. Very true. Yeah. There's a lot of variables. Yeah. There's a lot of variables, uh, to anyone, any day on set, really like, you know, there's never a day on set. I think where it goes perfectly as planned. There's always one thing that, you know, was it Murphy's law? Anything that will happen or, can happen will happen right is that the and it always does
2: yeah it always does it, so you have to be yeah you have to be able to adjust i think that's yeah. the bad part of it it's a very stressful job you know i don't know why we all love doing this so much sometimes because i go i don't, I, I, was don't at the vet.
0: I don't find it stressful to be honest i actually enjoy it <laughs> like i think i like just like being like all over the place also and just like no and but i'm all over the place but focused i think that's that's when it comes to it. Yeah.
2: But I mean, like I, the conditions of the white horse was like, I literally, um, uh, all the money they paid me ended up having to buy all these tires. So I got stuck in two snowstorms. Oh man. Ugh. And so I had to replace my tires and it was so cold, oh. but you know, it was like, it was super cold and they were super uncomfortable, but it wasn't anything that anybody could do. It yeah. just just, uh, but yeah, but, it, and, and they did a lot of their, like they rented this town, which mm. looked great, yeah. but, uh, the people who own it kind of let it run down a little bit because it's their own private property. They don't really care that much about it. Yeah. They do rent it out. But these guys were so great. They, wow, well, the night I was supposed to film, they ended up it was raining. And so the upstairs, the floor was not safe. Oh, shit. So they literally they stayed up all night. I went to my hotel room. And when I came back, they had literally um, uh, basically rebuilt the whole floor to make it safe because we had tons of filming to do up there. Oh, wow. So they reinforced the floor. Like these guys were literally packing this place up as they go.
0: Wow, is
2: that crazy? Yeah, they, but, these guys were. These guys were pros. Like the Mahal's had it all covered. Mm-hmm. They, they literally, they had contingencies. We were being COVID tested. Like you had that many people moving yeah. around. They had. They were yelling at you to put your mask on. They were. Yeah, because.
0: Like, I mean, where do you guys yeah. shoot that? California, right? I think I saw somewhere you guys were shooting that in California.
2: Yeah, we are it in Yucca
0: Valley. Okay, yeah, let's. I mean, California has like stricter uh, restrictions than you know Las Vegas. So, I mean, yeah, you don't want to get in trouble, especially like with you know the whole Tom Cruise thing. Also in England, where he's yelling at people like about you know the set life on a uh, Mission Impossible Eight, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, then, I
2: mean, it is true, but it, it all depends on where you're at. It's like how strict are they? But yeah, yeah. we're a lot less strict, you know. But then you know. It's like we're strict on stupider things than COVID, I think.
3: That's true. You know? That's right? a
2: negative. Like, yeah. uh, I think, I think uh, somebody at the film office posted something about how you can't film on BLM land unless you get permission. Yeah, I but saw that. you can that. Go yeah. shoot a gun. Yeah. You can shoot a gun without permission. That... You can take out a, a, an ATV without permission. Yeah. It, and you can go gold mining. You can take minerals out of the ground. Why do I need permission to shoot? use a
0: camera it makes no sense I it,
2: don't
0: get it, it I, I don't know why like the, I mean if I was anyone any BLM um, what was it Um, well I would want filming because you want people to see the beauty of like all these places also like I don't I don't get the the workaround or the the theory behind that idea right
2: yeah. I'm saying. I don't get that yeah. I don't understand now they're and then they were saying well because people have been doing it now they're not going to grant permission okay I, you, so I can still go out and shoot a gun yeah, and make a mess out with glass bottles and the, and destroy. And a camera doesn't destroy a thing.
0: No, not at all. Um, I'm going to a location actually Saturday, and I I don't think it's uh, a BLM location, but like still, it's where people go shoot guns it's off Apex, it's like a abandoned something. I don't even know exa- exactly what it is, but like, there's all these bullet holes there. Like, right, and I'm like. You know, it's like what you said, like, you know, you just go out and shoot a gun anywhere, basically, and you can't really film somewhere. Like, it's ridiculous. Um,
2: It's ridiculous. I think the hardest thing, too, I mean, is the insurance situation. I always feel like, I know we're just talking, but I always feel like because there's so many small independent filmmakers, and we all want to have insurance because, you know, we don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, no, definitely. You know? But you know, gorilla filmmaking is a thing. I mean, if you use your house or somebody's house, you're fine. But yeah. you know, insurance is always good. Yeah. Um, so I always feel like I'm I keep kind of dipping my toe in it. It's like we should have some sort of film club that one insurance kind of umbrellas everything and then everybody pays a little piece of it. Because they yeah. do that like with my husband's gold mining club, like oh. they, they buy claims. So you can literally camp on that claim for fourteen days for fifty five dollars a year. Wow. Yeah, That's like awesome. there there's certain things you can do there because just because you pay fifty five dollars a year as a membership, <sighs> and then you can move to Arizona to another plane and then camp there. You can literally live on these planes all year long for for your fifty five bucks a year. That's
0: ridiculously but, cheap, and like the price of gold's eighteen hundred dollars like for an ounce. Like you think you think they'd at least go like you know a point qu- one ounce or something like that. Yeah.
2: And they literally like take, they literally, it, it's actually kind of a cool deal. But yeah, and I'm thinking, well, he can gold mine and I can live there, I can use my because if that's privately owned, if they're privately owned claims by the gold uh seeker. So if I can go out there and film out there, no one's going to bother me because I'm a member. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they would let a bunch of other people up there though. I think I'd probably have to buy the membership for the year or something. <laughs> but at $55 per two people, I think I can afford
0: yeah, that's not, that's not too bad. That's actually not too bad at all. Um, okay,
2: they you're going to film like 14 days. Yeah. And I could probably just ask for permission. I mean, and they probably just let me like
0: do it. They, yeah, also on top of that, too, like 14 days, you can do a whole feature, depending on <laughs> as well.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of like, you know, but yeah, I don't get the whole BLM land thing. I yeah. know it's kind of a big recent thing, but it's like, yeah, that's a control issue because. Either nobody can use it or everybody can use it. Is it our, do we own it or don't we own
0: it? Yeah. Good question. Um, let me ask you this. We talk about the strengths, we talk about the weaknesses. What do you think we can do to get to the next level as a community?
2: Put out good production quality looking film. That is make a good answer. Great. <laughs> yes. Like make it look as beautiful as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, edit more mm-hmm. uh make sure that you know you've got your you know you make sure that you've got what you want when you get it or do a pickup because you're yeah. doing it for next and that's anyway but really put out something super good quality mm-hmm. and of course at the end of the day from every class I've ever taken it doesn't really matter the quality sounds probably the most important thing mm-hmm. because at the end of the day is was was a story i wanted to watch yeah so story is the most important thing out of anything. And then, of course, you want to get good sound. Yep. And even if the picture is not great, if the story and the characters are strong, then it, I think that, you know, you, you can't just put out crap.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: You can, you... and I've done it, but at the end of the day, you should probably, you, should probably, you know, because as you're learning, you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, yeah the what and the why but I think at the end of the day it, in order for us all to elevate mm-hmm. we need to make sure that you know like I thought Abigail was great quality for a $60,000 independent film
3: yeah
2: it was beautiful you know mm-hmm. the Mahals have been putting out they theirs was a little quirkier I think they, they come from my generation where they're kind of they like that quirkiness yeah but even at the end of the day Michael Sue makes it look gorgeous so this yeah. looks so good and and it and uh, and the quirkiness through like a little humor in it and and they're kind of making cult films anyway. Yeah. So, but as long as it looks great and it does have a good storyline or at least good basic storyline, you know, then I'll watch it. Yeah. A couple bloody people, I'm good.
0: <laughs> I, I always say on the I always say on the podcast, and I'll see. I want to see if you agree with me. Uh, the thing that also will help Vegas get to the next level, uh, besides story and all that, like very important shit, is you know I think we have to make a movie. Or someone has to make a movie that's a drama, like something that really connects to the people of Vegas instead of like we're worrying about a horror or a party movie or something about the strip. It's more about like I always compare it to Moonlight in a sense where, you know, the Moonlight takes place in Miami and I'm like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize that. But like something in Vegas where we're we're like focused on the burbs or like some other places that aren't, you know, well known. You know what I'm saying?
2: You know, it's so funny you said it because I actually have a full outline for a movie and it's called Vegas Baby. Oh. And, but I would have to get access to being inside of a casino and it has to be kind of a broken down one. Okay. But it was one I wrote as a bartender.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And, and so I, so I have a couple of scenes written, but yeah, it's actually, but the problem with those movies, and I totally agree with you. Yeah. But the problem with those movies is, um, pay it forward was a huge success and a huge failure because it never made a dime. Hmm. So Hollywood hates those movies.
0: True. And,
2: and people, and if you're super independent and you don't have a good marketer, you're going to, probably not going to sell that movie because unfortunately it's not really in a cult or a certain, it's not in a genre that people are buying unless yeah. you have a big name in it. So then you have to have access to those actors. Yeah. And I know, um, I know uh, Nicholas Cage is making a lot of films, but some are good, some aren't so good. He's a good actor, yeah. but you know it's not, you know, and, and and I'll watch pretty much anything Nicholas Cage does. But I don't know how much his movies make money.
0: Very, very true.
2: The so new ones, yeah, not well, the old ones. Not the old ones,
0: like Leaving Las Vegas or Con Air or Face Off or.
2: <laughs> right, and Leaving Las Vegas, Yeah, Leaving Las Vegas probably didn't really make any money until it won an Academy Award of some that, sort. Yeah. That, like, nobody even knew about it. And they had big stars in it.
0: That's true. Uh, it was, who was it? It was Nicolas Cage and um, Elizabeth Shoe.
2: Elizabeth Shue, Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, you have to look at it like that. Like, those really aren't the movies that and right now. Yeah. You know, the movies are horror because it's kind of fantasy. Yeah. The world's kind of coming to an end. But <laughs> when they make horrors now, it's like they, they use monsters because they don't want to use actual people. because. Yeah it creeps us
0: out because we're in a, we're in a really weird situation. Like you really don't want to put out a movie like contagion right now. Yeah. Well, boy, that, that, Oh my God. When I, I listen, I don't know if you ever heard of the rewatchables podcast. Like they talked about contagion when the pandemic broke out and they're like, they're like, we watched this the night before we did the podcast and how scary it is to see the parallels of what's going on now. And this movie is ridiculous. and And it made me uncomfortable. They said,
2: yeah, I watched it actually. I watched it before, but I yeah. do watched it because we were sitting around not watching anything. But yeah, I think, um but a movie like that really is like, I don't even watch the news. My husband gets so mad at me because he's like, you don't know how many people died. It's like, yeah, I don't want to know because I don't want to spend my life worried about what other people are dying of. I'd yeah. like to live my life. And it's
3: perfect
2: creative. <laughs> you know, and I actually was going to do a 48 about all well, the vaccinate. Oh, that's another whole story. But, yeah. but, but just the idea is, You know, you don't everything that everything that's popular right now is probably things that are more fantasy based. Yeah, because people don't want to live in the reality of the crap that we're living in right now. We want we like the Miss Mazels and the um, the things that we just know that aren't going to happen. And then, of course, they're in a different time period, like the ones that are really big, uh, the Nurse Nurse Ratched. Yeah, that was you know that's a great series, Mm. but it's like because it's set in a different time.
0: Yeah. It's not so close to home. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. So I think you're right about that, but in order to put something in Vegas on the map, you really got to really think about how do I make it so that it, 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 I just don't think it would work right now. That's all. It I, might work. It no. might work five years from now. No, it's probably I, not working I,
0: now. I mean, no, you're right too. I mean like the, 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 the thing about, I mean, I just say that because I think like, there needs because again horror films are always a good a great return on investment but like the thing is too like you know you look at like a um you know uh oh my god i'm trying to think i just blanked out of a movie that like takes place in a certain atmosphere and like what it is and like uh, i just i think if it gets into sundance in that regard i don't know like i i just that's how i bet you're i think you're right too you're right i think five years from now that would work but um is right and also horror films are big also people want the scares that's always again well that's yeah. Well,
2: if we go all the way back to when we first started talking, the reason why we made this musical theater reel for my daughter yeah. was because that's what they're going to be releasing. Yeah. Musical theater makes our feel good type, types of movies.
0: Mm-hmm. Even musicals are coming back too, again. for
2: maybe the is. But oh. I mean, for the most part, that's what I'm talking about. Musicals yeah. are coming back because they are fantasy things. Yeah. And so that is what we're craving right now. We want something that, we want monsters that, but not
3: that bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, like, I know. I want... Yeah, so I think that it just depends on what's going on. Like, yeah. if we were in the middle of a war, you probably don't want to do a war movie. You want to do a war movie after the war is over 10 years later to remind people what it was like at the war, and then they left history. Uh, well,
0: yes and no, because I feel like Jarhead came out around the same time as when 9-11 Post a little post nine eleven, and that was ten. That took place during Baghdad in the nineties.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So, uh huh. So
2: yeah, but that was like not nine eleven. That that's was true. Yeah, it was also in the past. Uh,
0: yeah, good and point. Wasn't yeah, that
2: movie kind of a? It had kind of a, a different like morality story than yeah. You know, us just being attacked. Yeah, it had more going on for it. Yeah. So yeah, it worked, and I love that movie. But good movie. Yeah. So I think that I think as. People, people who aren't in the industry, it's funny because I've been doing this whole like sending out emails for uh, people to fund my film, yeah. to fund Squad, but I literally went out of my way to make sure I emailed people that weren't in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, we're kind of their fantasy. Like, I have friends, you know, because I worked at a bar from all over that mm-hmm. do all kinds of different things. And so, and I think, they are so interested in what I'm doing. I don't think they'd ever want to do it. But yeah. They're just interested in what I'm doing because it's in the film industry. Does yeah. that make
0: sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So,
2: so, so it adds a little fantasy to their world. It's yeah. like, oh, well, she just did this big movie, Tommyknockers. Like, yeah, I didn't get paid that much. but It was a great, it was fun. It was a great experience. But you probably would have hated it. It was cold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate the cold. I moved out here for the warmth, actually. <laughs>
2: Yeah, where are you from?
0: I'm from Jersey originally. I've been out here eight oh, years okay, now. Yeah, yeah. I don't like winters. Oh, yeah.
2: My husband's been this. Yeah, from Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, my husband was born in, I don't even know, like the Bronx. Oh, the Bronx? But, not, but he came oh. out here when he was six, six months old in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, but my his parents my, were. Yeah. His parents' dad married the youngest sister, but he dated the oldest sister in high school.
0: Huh. Fascinating.
2: That's, that, yeah, that's very. Uh,
0: New York. Yeah, <laughs> my and my dad's actually from the Bronx. He grew up in the Bronx, and he moved to New, New Jersey. My mom's from New Jersey as well, so that's uh, that, that little background as well. Um, but Brenda, I'm on my last two questions for you. Are you ready for these?
2: Okay.
0: All right. Go ahead. First one is: What is the social? What is your social media?
2: Um, I'm I'm just. Uh, Brenda Daly on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then I'm Mama nest or at Mama Birdness on Instagram. It's not a very good showing on Instagram. <laughs> and then, um, I do have I have a Twitter. It's Mama Birdness. Um, and social media, I'm all over the place. So I also have the Mom Squad page. Okay, and then I have Real Women page, and um, and that's about it. So that's that's probably enough pages. And then I also have IMDb Pro. So Brenda Daly.
0: Awesome. And then my last question you've been dropping nuggets all day. What's that last golden nugget? It can be about life, filmmaking, you know, the community, the Las Vegas community, whatever it wants to be, let it be.
2: I just think that if you're um, a filmmaker, just, you know, trust yourself, believe in what you're doing. If you screw it up, it's okay. It's not life or death. Just go do it again. Um, And just forgive yourself. First, you know, we're all going to make some mistakes probably in front of the wrong people and they'll get over it, mm. you know, and don't. And I, the biggest nugget that I ever learned from this guy who is a manager at CBS as a filmmaker. At, this is what I, I do. I make sure that I always I'm not afraid to ask. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask. If you have something you want, ask for it. Yeah. If you get it, great. If you don't, you move on to the next ask. But don't be afraid to ask because that's that's gotten me farther than anything and i was always afraid so it it, don't be afraid to ask you just trust yourself if you if you feel like you have a good story you may have to rewrite it four or five times but but you know if you have a basic good story idea, just keep just keep on it because you know nobody else will have your story that that's it
0: That's a perfect nugget to go out on Brenda. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to know you and talking to you and verbally meeting you for the first time. Uh,
2: and
0: and again, guys, uh, thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. I, I can't do this without my frame chasers and I'm just trying to bring knowledge to all you listeners out there. Uh, And I hope you're gaining some great, valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story and we all go through things at the same time or at different times. I hope that the people on the show keep inspiring you to chase those frames. Again, guys, thank you. And have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you you next Wednesday on Chasing the Frame. Peace, geese.
1: This is the Chasing the Frame podcast where we interview people in the TV and film industry talking about their journey, how they got to where they are today. We do. Podcast for the frame chasers. This is for those in the film industry going hard. Let them know who we are. Frame chasers, we're we're not chasing the fame. No, no, tell them what we do. We're chasing the frame. This is the chasing the frame podcast with your host John DeMarco.